Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you've found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everybody to season three, episode 16 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. We've actually got over a hundred podcast episodes in the can. I didn't even realize that. Thanks for some of the people in the show pointing that one out to me. I appreciate you joining me on the show today. We're going to talk through comparing, contrasting, and considering associate equity models, buy-in, earn-in, profits, interest, or restricted stock. I'm going to give you some questions you need to wrestle through on the front end and kind of get your hands around what these solutions might look like given the type of business you're looking to build. It'll be a thought-provoking exercise, so get your pad and pen ready. Obviously, brew another wonderful cup of that Mila coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Thank you, everybody, once again for joining me on the show today. I am Perrin Desports, and I am your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. And as I teased in the introduction, I've been getting a lot of questions around associate equity as of late. When I say lately, it's really over the last 90 days or so. I've hosted a a number of people for discovery days dating back to the end of last calendar year, probably about one to two per week. Uh, And inevitably, some of their questions revolve around associate equity or or associates in general, you know, solving the associate dilemma. And when we get into um, associate equity solutions, there's not a one size fits all type of a scenario. So typically when when I ask somebody at the beginning of the day together, what are your goals and objectives? And we go through some of the things they they want to learn, like what are the top three to five things you got to get solved before you walk out of here today in our session together? Inevitably, one of them is something around associates. And so I know that when somebody says, I need I need help with associates or finding an equity solution for associates, that's their question. I typically have about six to eight questions for them when we get to that topic. And I want to share some of those with you today. Um, and we even developed kind of a cool graphic for this that I'm going to try to link to in the show notes that y'all can download if you'd like. It's a PDF and it's sort of a a grid, if you will, uh, around associate equity solutions. I jokingly tell people that, you know, when, (laughs) when you ask me any question about something related to group practices, my answer always begins with, it depends. Uh, and that is true in this case, especially, um, if we think about buy-ins, profits, interest units, and restricted stock units, the last two are earn-in methodologies, or a hybrid of any of those, it's not a one-size-fits-all scenario. There's the right tool in the toolbox, given what you're trying to solve for. And when we work with clients, especially in the associate equity uh, partnership pathways scenario, 
we spend a lot of time trying to get the client to think through what the ultimate outcome is because one solution might be right in one context and another solution might be right in another that may change over time but certainly we want to we don't want to just say when somebody says hey what's the best solution for associates just to have a standard answer um that that might not be the ultimate solution based on the business they want to build so here are a handful of questions maybe not questions here here are a handful of considerations for you to think through as it relates to what you're trying to achieve. And these have pluses and minuses as you would well gather. Um, so a couple of considerations. First and foremost, are you know, when, when you look at your business, if you've got multiple practices, do you think that those practices are what we would call mature, meaning they're kind of at max capacity? They, they may grow a little bit, but not a dramatic amount. You know, are those practices mature or is there a healthy amount of upside still remaining? Maybe you just added um, some additional capacity, be it days and hours or operatories or something along those lines. Um, or, you know, have you suffered some turnover recently and, and really there's a lot of uh, inherent potential in each and every one of those practices. So how do you look at your individual locations um, from a future growth standpoint? Are they mature or is there still some upside uh, remaining to it? Um, depending upon that, um, are you also thinking about adding to the number of total locations that you have, or are you really looking at just maintaining the ones that you have? And when we say adding, you don't have to add two to three practices per year. But if you're considering adding a practice every year or a practice every other year, that's that's worthy of modeling. That's worthy of consideration. When we build associate equity models and solutions for clients, we tend to model them out over about a 10-year horizon. So if you're only going to acquire one practice in the next 10 years, I'd say you're really in the maintaining type of a camp. But don't think that if you're just sitting there saying, well, I might add one every other year. Uh, don't think that that's not worth considering. It absolutely is. So beyond just the maturity of your existing practices, what's the number of locations that you reasonably might add over the next five to 10 years? Or are you simply going to maintain the ones that you have and you're standing pat with it? Okay, um, that's the the consideration around uh, your existing practices and the footprint expansion of those practices. Now, when we think about associates, is this a solution? Are you trying to solve for a solution that would be um, uh, an opportunity for all associates, both existing and future associates, uh, meaning you want to have a solution for any of them to earn into or buy into the business? Or is this for only what you might call a lead associate in a given location? Because those two are different, right? If we want to create you know, a true rising tide that lifts all boats, we probably want to have an opportunity for every associate presently and those that might enter the business in the future, uh, we want them to have a, an earned equity or a buy-in opportunity um, over a longer period of time. That's different from saying, look, I need, I need stability. 
in each of my locations. And I want an anchor doctor, a lead associate in each one of those locations, but I only want one. And for him or her, I want them to be my, my lead person in each of those locations, take on a leadership role at a local level. Those are completely different considerations and we model them differently and the solutions can be different. Okay. So think through, is it all associates or select associates or lead associates, different contexts there around what might be the right solution. So, and in the context of that, are we looking at offering equity ownership solutions at a practice level only? or at a company-wide level. And there's pluses and minuses to both of that. It can depend on the prior question about lead associate versus all associates. But what are you trying to achieve in terms of your overall growth strategy and to a degree, your outcome? So is this going to be ownership at a a DSO level, a, a management company level that's probably with you and your founders? Or are we wanting to isolate uh, that equity opportunity to the practice that he or she works in? Again, pluses and minuses to both based around what your growth strategy is. Um, And the, the short version on some things to consider there is that if they, if they end up buying into or earning into, uh, the company-wide ownership cap table, meaning at a, at a management company level, they're going to own a smaller piece, a smaller percentage of a larger pie. The value might be the same, the dollar value, but the percentage ownership is arguably going to be less because you own a smaller piece of a larger pie. Um, and, and that also tends to make things a little bit easier around decision-making criteria because everybody has ownership at the same level of the organization. So the decisions we make impact everyone equally uh, in some contexts, at least. That's different from a practice-level ownership scenario where we're looking for that lead dentist or, or lead associate, and he or she is really only focused on maximizing the value of their ownership at a practice level. And what happens above and beyond them at a, at a company level is of less consequence. Uh, again, there can be some rationale behind that and some reason for doing it. Um, so there's not one that's better than another. It really depends on what your growth strategy is. And, and what you're trying to solve for. So practice level versus company level ownership is, a, is another consideration here. Now, what happens if we're going to have a buy-in opportunity uh, at some level of magnitude or a nominal buy-in? Uh, so our earned equity models, be they private, uh, excuse me, be it profits interest uh, or restricted stock unit, can have a a what we call a capital call, a nominal buy-in opportunity at the point the uh, the associate enters into the program. Um, I'd say about fifty percent of our clients do that. There's not a right or a wrong way to it by any stretch, but it's it's an option. You know, it it allows them to get skin in the game on day one. If they buy into the business, there's no vesting schedule attached to that, obviously. So, you know, it can secure them for the longer haul, but the balance they may earn in over a longer period. That's different from a traditional buy-in where somebody's buying 20 to 40 percent of either a practice level entity or some dollar value of the entire business at a company level. So when we start talking about 
Uh, are we going to offer them a hybrid scenario where they can earn in and buy in, or is it a straight buy in? The next question for you, if, if you want this to be part of it or or the solution in and of itself, is how much are we expecting them uh, to buy into the business? When I say how much, it's really a dollar figure, because the larger the dollar figure, a couple of hundred thousand dollars, half a million dollars, something like that, is you're you're basically dependent upon a bank loan, them taking on a bank loan, okay? Whereas somebody with a nominal buy-in to start an earned equity model might be fifty to a hundred thousand dollars that they might be able to pull from their individual investment account or fund it out of cash, meaning it wouldn't require a loan. the The consideration here and the importance around this is that if the dollar buy-in amount is large enough, to require a bank loan on behalf of the associate, yes, that associate is going to personally guarantee that loan. But there is going to be some level of cross-collateralization impact on the business overall. So don't think that you're unencumbered from that or that it that it would never inhibit your overall growth strategy or your ability to access capital in the future. It very well could and it might. So that has a direct impact. Again, we're thinking about your growth strategy for the business in its entirety versus their buy-in, you know, and the dollar amount that they're going to have to to uh, borrow to do that. Okay, so again, this is kind of a sliding scale. We're trying to think about this in a comprehensive solution standpoint, and you know, the the cross collateralization piece of the dollar buy-in and it, whether or not additional debt is required um, can be uh, a point of consideration and, and something worthy of thinking about as it relates to to achieving both ends for yourself, okay? Um, the last point of consideration, I mean, there are a lot more points of consideration. I could spend hours on, on this, but for the sake of boring you and getting too deep in the weeds, um, the last consider, consideration that I would ask you to, to think through is what that ultimate exit strategy might be. We're all going to exit a business eventually. I am, you are, you know, we're 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 not going to work forever. There's going to come a point in time where we want to stop or we want to transact the business. Uh, whatever your strategy is, I would ask you to think about is is the business you're building, however fast, however far, however large, is the business you're building with the intent of selling to what I would categorize as an external buyer, meaning an industry strategic or a financial buyer, uh, an enterprise level DSO or a private equity group. You know, is it an external buyer? The, the business you're building is going to be so valuable that it's for all intents and purposes beyond the reach of an associate or several associates personally guaranteeing bank loans to transact it, meaning it's going to be so valuable you're you're dependent upon an external buyer for your exit. Is that the type of business you're building? Or is it going to be, I don't know, maybe a smaller business in terms of size and scope and certainly valuation, and one that if you had a number of associates that owned part of it, some of it, you know, they might all be able to go to a bank um, and personally guarantee loans to buy you out. 
that's an internal transaction. It's an internal buyer. It's it's with your existing uh, associates or, or maybe some in the future uh, buying out your position. So we talk about exit strategy in its most grandiose terms, typically, um, and there there are a lot of reasons for that. And the reasons typically have a lot of dollar signs and commas after them, and that's okay. But I would also just impress upon you that if your growth strategy isn't to build a 10 to 20 to 50 location group and sell it for a, a you know, a huge wad of cash, it may be that you're building more of a lifestyle and a cash flow business. And your exit strategy, your intent is to have your associates, your minority partners, buy you out at the end of that journey. They may earn in or buy in today, and they may have minority positions in the business over some period of time. And when you are ready to exit, uh, you may ask them to to buy you out um, at something close to a market multiple or otherwise. Uh, and that's quite okay. Um, but in you know, it does impact your growth strategy and it does impact kind of the way we think through um, buy-in versus earn-in in terms of the right solution for your business. So there are a lot of things to consider, you know, in, in these types of uh, uh, solutions, and it's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, and you can argue the case either way a lot of times on what is the best solution. But what we try to get to is through a lot of questions uh, with the client to to find out to the best degree possible, what their crystal ball is and what the the outcomes they're intending to achieve right here, right now, today, and design that type of solution. Some of the the questions that I rattled off for you today are are ones um, that'll that'll get you thinking, it'll stoke the fires and get the wheels turning a little bit. And then we can we can dig into things at a, a deeper level. But uh, obviously associates are the number one problem of every group practice and having a, a comprehensive solution helps you to solve that problem. And a comprehensive solution to us typically means some level of an ownership stake somehow, some way along the way. And so hopefully that gives you some things to uh, to consider. Stick around with some, uh, uh, if you will, I'll be right back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. Once again, I thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, associate equity is is a, a constant question or, or subject matter uh, that we get asked about, and and I probably take four to five prospective client calls every week. Uh, Mark Flock and I do uh, about this particular subject, and and um, it's always a fun exercise to kind of go through. If you've got questions, uh, feel free to to drop me a line. You can always email me at Perrin at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. Mark Flock, our our uh, partnership pathways consultant um, and mergers consultant uh, is Mark at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. He's a wealth of information as well. As we wrap up today's show, I wanted to uh, to take a quick second. Um, and depending on when this show drops, um, I may see some of you out in Los Angeles toward the end of the month, Friday, March 24th, to be exact. Uh, the Patterson Dental branch in L.A., uh, is putting on a one-day DSO summit. They did this last year, and they're doing it again this year. They have already uh, over 100 people signed up for it. So 
this is going to be kind of cool because they're packing a lot into one day. If you are in um, the Southwest area or easy, easy flight into and out of uh, Los Angeles, um, the event is going to be held at the Westin South Coast Plaza. That's in Costa Mesa, California. It is in the shadows of the John Wayne Airport. So if you can get a direct flight in there, um, you can stay at the Westin. There's going to be a lot of subject matter in one day. That's on Friday, March the 24th. I'm going to, I've got two speaking slots. I'm kind of bookending the day, honestly, the, the one to open up the morning and the one to close the afternoon. Um, we're going to talk about challenges in building a successful group and then challenges around exit strategies in selling a, a successful group practice. So that'll be uh, some cool topics for me to, to book in the day. Like I said, in between that, uh, you got some other industry heavyweights, Brian Kaleo from Dykema talking about uh, strategies for growing your your DSO. Um, there's going to be the the group from Zentis, that Sina Amari and Alto Kazmiov uh, talking about insurance and revenue cycle management. Heidi Arndt from Evolved Dental uh, Advisors is going to talk about staffing challenges. She could probably do an entire day on that. And we all have a lot of staffing challenges. Um Ophir Tans from Pearl is going to be talking about AI and the impact in DSOs. And Michael Augens, the CEO of Imagine Dental Partners, talk about scaling um, uh, your DSO as well. So I think um, a good number of industry heavyweights. And again, this is all in one day. So if you're you're looking to pick up um, some CE, there are four CEs, um, and this is $199 per doctor. So it's not a whole lot of money, a lot of bang for the buck all in one day. Hopefully you can join us Friday, March the 24th at the Weston South Coast Plaza in Costa Mesa, California. We'll link in the show notes, the registration, uh, for the event itself, but I'm really looking forward to that. And I certainly appreciate uh, Patterson uh, asking us to present as well as all the others that I mentioned before. So it ought to be uh, ought to be pretty fun and pretty cool. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode.